What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by High V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always. Big thanks for tuning in and checking out this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Coming up, we're going to talk a little green and gold. Once in a while, I do a segment on here called uh, Say It, Tip of the Cap, or Say It, and uh, it's kind of similar to what we do on the radio show for uh, What's Your Beef on Tuesdays, brought to you by Ray's Place, by the way. But uh, So I'm, I'm, I'm combining my What's Your Beef with a Say It. So my beef was with Matt LaFleur, is with Matt LaFleur from his press conference on Monday, and so anybody who listens to the podcast, you know the segment, say it. It's like that guy or that's you have to apologize like because they did something stupid or, or said something stupid. Matt LaFleur needs to say it. All right. Matt LaFleur needs to say it for one of his uh, answers from the podcast yesterday or from, from his press conference from yesterday. So my say it is the same as my beef. So if you missed that, that's coming up. Plus, uh, we had a little green and gold. I think it's getting close to maybe being some time that uh, we need to see some snaps uh, from some of the younger guys or from some of the other guys to see what the Packers have here. But first things first, we've got to talk some Brewers baseball. The news that uh, Pat Murphy is expected to be promoted to the manager role for the Milwaukee Brewers, first reported by Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic. Later confirmed by Adam McCalvey from Brewers.com. Adam McCalvey at, uh, in his article on Brewers.com, a source confirmed to MLB.com that the Brewers were finalizing plans to promote Pat Murphy to manager after he served as Milwaukee's bench coach for the last eight seasons. Uh, the source also said that former infielder Ricky Weeks was expected to join the Major League staff uh, to fill Murphy's bench uh, bench coach spot. The club has not confirmed any of this as of yet, as of now. But uh, you know, the Ricky Weeks one may not be too big of a surprise because he was first. His name was first mentioned on a, on a list. I think it might have even been from Ken Rosenthal from the Athletic, which kind of like some people are like, oh, Ricky Ricky Weeks, huh? Okay, interesting there. I and and our good buddy Brandon Burke kind of mentioned this on on Friday about the, the possibility of maybe hiring a an older manager and then having a guy like Ricky Weeks assume the bench role position and kind of have a little on the job training and then maybe eventually would become manager down the road. I feel like these moves I feel like these moves I've kind of set that up in place. Like that's that's probably what's going to be happening here in the next few years. Pat Murphy's sixty-five, uh, I, I believe, going to be sixty-five. So I, I I feel like right now, I could be wrong. Yeah, he's sixty-four. Will be sixty-five here. The plan is for him to be the manager right now. Everything's in place. He's familiar with the coaching staff. Ricky comes in, is the bench coach, gains some experience, and then in a few years the torch is passed to Ricky Weeks to become the new manager for the Brewers. That, I think, is their is the Brewers' ideal scenario for the next few years here. Murphy is almost kind of a placeholder 
Now, that's not to say that they don't expect him to, to go out there and win and 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 get this team you know back to the postseason and such. But I feel like this was a move that one does it help the immediate team here with some continuity with this coaching staff and with their current players? It does, but it also helps prepare the team. I think for maybe in the next few years to have their new manager there, and you know, it's it's kind of like if. It's kind of like how they develop their players, I guess, right? I mean, it's almost like having a a player in the minor league and gaining some experience, you know, getting better, working on their craft, and then when they're ready, they're called up to the majors. Oh, it kind of feels like the Brewers might be doing that sort of same thing here with uh, with with their manager, with their manager decisions. Ricky comes in, he's going to gain some experience, kind of watch. Might have to manage some games here if Pat Murphy gets ejected from some games, which is probably going to happen. And that gets promoted up in a few years. I think that's what's probably going to happen here. I think that's what's going to happen. And really, I've got no problem with this. I mean, I I, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's like, and a lot of it is because we don't know a whole lot about these other coaches or you know people that were attached to the job. Do we know Don Manningly? We know Don Manningly because his playing career with the Yankees, he was a manager with the Dodgers there for a little bit, and he was a manager with the Marlins. That's a name. We know that name. But these other names that are out there, we don't know a whole lot about them. We don't know about this first base coach. We don't know about that third base coach. So we don't know a ton about these these coaches like we do in the NFL, like a lot of us, right? We know, oh, that offense corner, that defense corner. Yeah, we know about that. We want them to be our head coach. And that's a credit to the NFL, I think, for or it's just because of the the the, the fan base that's so like rabid about it. They know everything about it. And I mean, when you're watching the games, the the TV telecasts, I mean they they show the coordinators. Like Sunday, I don't know the last time I've seen Joe Barry on on the TV as much as I've seen him on that game on Sunday with the camera there. But anyways, you know, with with the baseball, it's it's a little different because you don't you're not necessarily coming up with game plans or scheming or anything like that. Yeah, you're doing scouting. Yeah, you've got you know your tendencies uh, when that hitter's coming up. You know how do you pitch them? Your your outfield assignments. Your you know all that sort of stuff. You have all that. But I think right now with a transition like this, to have a veteran like uh, like a Pat Murphy, I think they viewed it as a benef- as beneficial uh, to kind of ease into that transition. A, a voice that a lot of these players already know, a lot of this coaching staff already knows, that they're comfortable with. It's a little bit of continuity. And then you've got the new guy coming in, and you can kind of ease him along with, uh, with the weeks there. So I don't... I don't have a problem with this. And I, and honestly, I'm not surprised by this, too. I don't think anybody should be surprised by this move. They shouldn't be surprised by the promotion. But I don't think it's a definitely a long-term type of move here. And it might be a little bit telling, too, if we go back to what Matt Arnold said last week about Pat Murphy made a comment that if if Pat Murphy doesn't get the job that there would be a role for Pat Murphy within the organization 
And I think now that might be kind of telling too here in the next few years. That Pat Murphy's going to be manager for a few years, maybe a couple years, who knows how long. And then he transitions into another role within the organization. And Ricky takes over. I go back to that comment, that 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 note that Matt Arnold, general manager for the Brewers, mentioned last week. That if there if Murphy doesn't get the managerial role, that there would be a role for him within the organization if you know if he didn't maybe follow counsel to the you know, to the Cubs or anything like that. So I think that's part of the plan here too. Is that after a couple seasons, after a few years, you hand the baton off to Ricky. Pat Murphy takes on a role. Maybe it's similar to that because uh, it was reported that uh, Council was offered a uh, consulting role when his managerial uh, career was done, or whenever he wanted to be done managing with the Brewers. That the Brewers had offered him a uh, like a consulting role or another role within the organization afterwards, whatever that may be. I think you might have something similar to this with with Murphy coming up here when whenever his time of managing is done. I think that's a part of the wink wink shake shake and maybe we'll find out more details about that too. But I mean Pat Murphy ever since he's been there. You you've heard nothing but like positive stuff from players. He's got the respect of these players. He's definitely got the respect within the organization if they're you know willing to to keep him in there they want to keep him there even if he's not a manager and he's got managing experience he was interim manager with the Padres um, back in 2000 was it uh, 2014 2015 uh, over there I'll have to double check it um, let me uh, made, yeah interim manager on June 15 2015 after Bud Black was dismissed Padres went uh, 42 and 54 under Murphy Remember, Pat Murphy was a finalist for that Mets job a couple of seasons ago before it went to before it went to Buck Showalter. So he was a finalist over there too. But played a little bit in the minors, managed a little bit in the majors. The Craig Council connection when he was coaching at Notre Dame, Craig Council played at Notre Dame. Uh, when Craig Council got there, it was Pat Murphy's second year um, in, in with uh, with Notre Dame over there. So, I get it. I don't mind it with, with, with this move. And I think it's a move that sets up the Brewers for the next few years here, too. It's not just an immediate thing. Maybe for the next decade. Maybe for the next 10 years going forward. The biggest question now is, what's the what's the plan for the roster? What's, what's the plan now with, with the players? And... I don't think we've gotten a clear answer. Like I feel like if you bring in a guy, let's say, let's say you're bringing in a Don Mattingly or a Mike Schilt or whoever, you know, a guy who's been a manager before, maybe a little bit older. You bring in one of those guys. I feel like you're probably not going through a rebuild, but I feel like with with, with Pat here, it's still a little bit of unknown because I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, they could go about this a couple different ways. They could go about uh, a complete rebuild, you know, maybe trade off Burns and, and some of those other players. But since they've got a veteran manager in place, he's kind of that stopgate for the next couple of years, you know, until Ricky gains some experience. You got a veteran who's been around the game for a while. 
you know, with a very young team. So you're going with an experienced manager, a guy that these younger players know, respect. And, you know, after a few years, yeah, you move on. Or do they look at it from like, no, well, you know, we got a, we got a, uh, a manager who's got a lot of years under his belt. We're going to begin the season with playoff goals still. And if we're still in playoff contention around that trade deadline, awesome. If we're not, then maybe you decide to kind of sell off or trade off some of your uh, some of your assets. Honestly, I kind of feel like that might be the role it's going. I could be completely wrong. I mean, later today we could find out that Corbin Burns is traded, and then I'll look like an idiot, more of an idiot than I already am. But I feel like right now, unless they get blown away with a with a trade offer that they just can't say no to. I feel like Corbin Burns is going to be your opening day starter. A lot of the you know those guys are, are going to be on this ball club, and they'll see how the season rolls. If they're in playoff contention, maybe they add a couple pieces by the deadline. If they're not, maybe they start to move on from those players and get a little something in return before you know they leave. Some but something or somebody that can maybe help them within a couple years within this youth movement that they got going on here. Either way, I don't think this Pat Murphy hiring kind of really signaled which way the Brewers front office is going to go this offseason in terms of building this team. I don't think we've got a better idea one way or the other. Whereas if they would have just went up straight with Ricky Weeks now, do they maybe start with a rebuild? Yeah, probably, maybe. Or if they bring in another outside guy, they probably, oh, we're going to still stay competitive here. But right now, I don't think we have a clear picture at this point. So, all right. Uh, uh, Plain T, good morning, DK. Do you think the plan to have counsel move into some type of executive position later in his career is not off the table, considering the friction from him going to the Cubs? I think right now it's probably off the table. Absolutely. I I, I do. I absolutely do. Um, maybe. Way down the future, whenever council is done pl- managing, and you know, after a few years go by, maybe that that comes back into play here. But it won't be anything immediately after. I think, yeah, I think it's probably off the table right now. Definitely. So, all right, uh, let's take a. Well, we got a couple more texts here. Brandon's mom, B's mom's okay. I'm okay with it. Brandon's mom, I know, was a big uh, Ricky Weeks. Um, Ricky Weeks supporter. So, hey, Ricky Weeks, I think he's going to be the manager in the next few years, so you're probably going to see him, G-Man. Uh, Brewers made the right decision. Thumbs up. A Bucks win last night. Injuries are are with the with the team. Badgers will win tonight. P.S. You're spot on. Ricky W. will get the experience you need to manage a team. Go Brewers. Uh, C-Bomb, uh, congrats to Pat Murphy, but this is not surprising. Mark won't get off his dusty wallet. To spend money on anything promoted from within is the cheapest way to fill that role. Uh, not surprising, but I'm okay with it. There's not a name out there that would have moved the needle anymore. You know, Astros, that's exactly what they did. They they promoted their 34, 34-year-old bench coach to uh, to the manager job. So it wasn't just the, the Brewers that just promoted from within. Astros, team that spends a lot, did the same thing, promoted from within. And he was also a name 
was it uh, Spada that was mentioned as a possible Brewers managerial candidate too? So, all right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to do a little say it slash what's your beef and talk some Packers after these quick words. Shoppers, listen up. Are you ready to save big on all your grocery needs? Why wouldn't you? Well, then head on down to Hy-Vee in Eau Claire where the deals are sizzling hot. Hy-Vee has the fresh produce, top quality meats, pantry staples, and all your favorite brands under one roof. And don't forget about their amazing in-store bakery and deli. Need a quick bite to eat? Hy-Vee in Eau Claire has many different options to choose from at their food court as well. So go ahead and visit Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, your one-stop shop for savings, quality, and convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for a driving experience like no other? At Toys and Ford, they're not just selling cars, they're delivering dreams on four wheels. With a wide range of Ford vehicles, you'll find the perfect ride to suit your style and needs. Their expert team is there to guide you through every step of the way, from test driving to financing. They're committed to making your car buying journey seamless and enjoyable. Toys and Ford, where your automotive dreams become a reality. Visit them today and experience the thrill of driving driving with the best let's uh all right so what's my beef matt lafleur press conference yesterday jason wildey who covers the packers has covered the packers for a long time maybe matt lafleur was listening to the program yesterday because he addressed uh one of my biggest issues that i had or maybe he listens to the man cave podcast i don't know but uh he uh addressed one of my biggest issues and i think a big issue that a lot of fans had from the game against Pittsburgh and uh, Matt LaFleur I guess kind of calling us out with that here's uh, here's the audio clip here's the exchange between uh, Wildy and Matt LaFleur from uh, Matt LaFleur's presser from yesterday there were a couple instances where you guys were in nickel with the two down linemen and they there were a couple of that is baffling to me when people talk nickel defense and they talk about two down linemen because I don't know what that means. You've got two true down linemen. You've got two inside linebackers. So outside linebackers, just so you know how us in this profession view outside linebackers, when you go to nickel defense, they're defensive ends. Okay. And we have some of the bigger outside linebackers in this league. So I think it's comical when I hear people talk about, oh, they have two down linemen. I'm like... To me, people are exposing themselves when they say that. Like, there's four defensive linemen on the field. When we go out there, basically, when we play teams, 3-4 defense is not something new, right? That is our base defense. But when you go nickel defense, those outside linebackers become defensive ends. And the way we always judge it is, would you want a running back blocking that guy? Would you want a running back blocking... Preston Smith, would you want a running back blocking Rashawn Gary? The answer is usually no. So they are defensive linemen. Okay, so I was just going to have a field day with that tomorrow for me. Um, so you, you felt good about your personnel in some because they did get you on some of those plays, whether you want to call them guys. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know. and we, we got to execute better. And certainly there's times when you would like to not be in a split safety defense, no question about it. But um, because you are more susceptible to the run when you're playing shell defense. And it, a lot of it is, is it a cover two look where the safeties aren't in run support? Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh ran a ton of two shell versus us, especially in the second half. And they were still able to stop the run 
pretty effectively. So, all right. So that was a portion of the the uh, press conference from Matt Lafleur yesterday, exposing yourself, pretty much calling out people for not understanding nickel defense, maybe not even understanding football, or or this, that, the other thing. Is he technically right? Yes, he's technically right. And I'll back up here. Matt LaFleur is smarter at football than I am, smarter than a lot of us right now, probably all of us listening right now. The guy has been in football uh, almost his entire life, played college, coached college, obviously a head coach in the NFL. He knows a little bit something. Okay, As much as we want to complain about coaching and gripe about coaching, they are pretty smart in their professions. I will respectfully disagree with with LaFleur and, and, and his, his comments there. And is he technically right? Yes, if you got Preston, you got Rashawn up there, lined up, they're the uh, defensive ends up up there. I I get that. I understand that. But here's my thing. It depends on where they line up, though, too, right? It depends on where those outside linebackers line up, right? Because there was a few times, and there's there's... You can look it up. You can watch the film. Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary are lined up outside of the tackle's shoulders, like exposing the B-gap. I mean, there's still frames. You can look at it. Not saying it's every play like this, but there were plenty where that B-gap is so wide. There is no defender in there that... A tractor trailer could drive through that thing. It's wider than a cow path. So, technically, Matt, you're right. You got four linemen there. But doesn't it matter a little bit to where they're lined up? And I get what you're saying about, hey, running back, you know, we we love that matchup of an edge rusher, (coughs) sorry, defensive end, going up against a running back. But here's the thing. Uh, They got to get past the tackle first. You know they they got to get past that tackle first. They got to get past the offensive lineman before you even start thinking about exposing a matchup with a running back. And we're talking about running the football here, anyways. We're we're talking about stopping the run. We're not talking about pass protection. We're talking about stopping the dang run. And you guys couldn't do it. You guys couldn't do it. So stop making excuses. Stop covering. And, and and I get it. He's being a good boss, and you know he's got the back of his employees. We all want our boss to have our back publicly. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus. I get it. It's a, it's a PR thing. It's you, you know you're not going to cause any sort of drama or whatever that sort of stuff. But come on, man don't don't be sitting there and saying. You really expose yourself if you sit there and talk about two defensive linemen and nickel. But I mean, come on, man, that that just bugged bugs me out. It's my beef. It's you know we we call it on the podcast. We have a segment called you know say it. Malafleur needs to say it because that was ridiculous. It depends on where those guys are lined up. If Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are going to line up 
way outside to where, you know, if there was a, uh, even a tight end, outside of the right shoulder, left shoulder of the, of the tackle, and you're exposing that beat gap so much, why wouldn't you run down that thing? And that's what the Steelers did. The thing is, a lot of teams would go into this game looking at, oh, Green Bay starting a 7th-round rookie, Carrington Valentine. Hey, he's got some upside possibly, but he's still a 7th-round rookie uh, corner. And then the other starting corner is an up-and-down practice squad player. We've got we've got some young, talented receivers, George Pickens, Johnson, a veteran, Allen Robinson. A lot of teams would go into that game with with an offensive game plan of maybe like really exposing that and really targeting those guys. Pittsburgh didn't have to do that because they were just running the ball all over the damn place on this defense because of your two down defensive linemen and you had two edge rushers on the outside. Yes, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are bigger than a lot of other outside, typical 3-4 outside linebackers, edge rushers, whatever the hell we're going to call them. They are bigger. That doesn't justify... The play calls, though, that doesn't justify where they were lined up. And I get it. You're probably having an inside linebacker maybe coming up that B-gap. But you know what? I'm going to take a guard versus Isaiah McDuffie any day of the week to open up those holes. As soon as that guard takes on that inside linebacker, that running back is instantly on the next level, in that second level. We went through that stat yesterday where Rob Domofsky noted 3.6 yards, 3.6 yards before a Steelers running back had any contact on him. 3.6 yards before contact was the average. That's insane. The Steelers entered that game with two, one towards the bottom of the league, two yards before they got their first contact. You're talking almost four yards gained on the ground. Gained on the ground before contact. So don't go out there, Maddie, and tell people essentially they're dumb. They're you don't know what you're talking about when you know you say two down linemen in a nickel because your edge rushers, your outside linebackers are your defensive linemen. Are you technically correct? Yeah, sure, you're technically correct. You've got four linemen up there. Spacing matters, though, a little bit. Where they're lined up, because you know what? A lot of those times, they were still lined up as an edge rusher and creating these massive lanes. So don't sit there and like ridicule and call out a bunch of those people. It's just that I I backed up Matt LaFleur. That irked me a lot yesterday. That really irked me a lot. And I get it again. You don't want your running backs blocking Preston Smith and that. But you know what? We're not talking about passing plays here. We're talking about obvious running situations, running plays. And I get it. You're not going to have the right play call for every single time. And you know maybe you were planning for a passing play and, and ended up being a, a draw or something like that. But... Dude, come on. Let's get a little honest with ourselves here. Let's get a little real with ourselves here. 
Okay. That that was a little ridiculous yesterday. That response. That answer. That was ridiculous. You know, I'm I'm at some point, you know, I I, I think it was yesterday when we were talking about it. You know, potential maybe future defensive coordinators at this point in time. And, you know, I know there's going to be some people. I mean, in the last couple of years, you've had fans, you know, talking about, um, um, you know, hey, Mike Zimmer or even uh, uh, Lovey Smith or something like that. And be like, okay, you're going to have to switch to a 4-3. At this point in time, I might want a 4-3 just so you have some typical 4-3 base lineups up there. And really, when you look at some of the better defenses in the league, remember when like 3-4 was the defense to run? It was like, oh yeah, that that's the one you want to get some edge rushers out there. You want to get after the quarterback and and all that. Green Bay switched to the three four when when McCarthy hired Dom Capers and they, you know, Ted Thompson went into the draft and and uh, got you know a, a typical nose tackle up there with B.J. Raji. Then he went and got himself an edge rusher and Clay Matthews. You know, three four was the thing. You kind of look at some of these defenses. Right now, though, some of these top defenses, and I was looking at them earlier this uh, this morning, and I get it too. Like a lot of the the, the bases, there's not a typical three four base or four three base. A lot of it is nickel. But you you look at some of these some of these teams, Cleveland right now, four three base. They run a four three base with Zadarius Smith as a defensive end. Baltimore. Is up there. They still do a three-four. Dallas is a four-three, and they've got a guy, Micah Parsons, playing technically at the linebacker, but we know him. He's he wants to get after the quarterback. About two forty, two fifty. They're a four-three. Kansas City, they're a four-three. Dallas, did I mention Dallas? Yeah, I just mentioned San Francisco, four-three. I don't know. I might. You might be able to convince me to maybe switch over to a four-three uh, style here at this point. That might be just over-exaggerating it here a little bit, but I don't know. That's my beef, Matt Lafleur. Yesterday with that comment, really exposing yourself for people who talk about two-down linemen and a nickel. I don't know what you're talking about when you say stuff like that. Give me a break, dude. Give me a break. Weak. That was weak. Packers did make one roster move. Enos Gaines is, uh, has been released. Guy, again, from practice squad signed to the active roster released uh, over there, too. So that was one move that they that they did make uh, yesterday. They brought in uh, another corner off the street, too. So, But be curious to see where Jair Alexander is going to be in terms of health, because if, if Keenan Allen is going to be playing in this game, you'd like Jair Alexander to be matched up against Keenan Allen. I know Keenan Allen's a little bit banged up, but uh, you know you talk about one of the best route runners in the entire league, that's Keenan Allen. And if he's matched up with a, with a rookie or a, uh, you know, a, a practice squad player, up and down practice squad player, Keenan Allen might feast with, uh, with Justin Herbert over there. So I ideally like Jair in this game, and I know it goes against some of the philosophical views of this defense. I wouldn't mind if Jair would just be matched up with him 
the entire day here, but you know we'll find out in the next coming days whether Jair is going to be active for this game or or not. But you know, at some point too, I think Green Bay's got to look at this, and at some point this season, I don't know if they're there yet. I'm sure some fans will probably think they got to be at this point, but at some point, you're going to have to see some other guys in here to see what you got. One of them. I think, and he's uh, our good buddy Sean, uh, our good buddy Surveyor Sam's guy. I think at some point you got to see what you have with Sean Ryan. I think you've got to put him out there. And does that mean John Runyon Jr. sits? Probably. But I think at some point you've got to see what you have with some of these other guys. Me being Sean Ryan, last year didn't get a lot of snaps. I think what, one offensive snap. Uh, you know, was suspended, missed a little time, got some snaps in when John Runyon was on the sidelines a couple weeks ago. I think, though, at some point, I mean, he's a, was he a second, third-round pick? Maybe he didn't develop or wasn't ready as soon as they initially thought, but I think if he's there and he's playing well and he's doing everything right, I think you've got to give him an opportunity, see what you got with him at some point this season when it gets to that point where they're not going to be in the playoffs, they're not competing competing for a postseason spot. It's not necessarily tanking. I'll I'll kind of paraphrase what what Goody said in his presser after the trade deadline when he was talking about or when he was asked about teams tanking, and he said, "No, no, no. There's no. He doesn't believe in tanking." <laughs> he said, "But there's you know I I think you know teams just kind of realize that the position that they're in and and focus on different things and that that's still kind of tanking." Goody, but I get what he was saying. They're not full-on tanking, but regardless, don't need to rehash that. At some point, Green Bay is going to have to maybe make some of those decisions. Be like, okay, we got to see what we got with Sean Ryan. We got to see what uh, you know. Maybe give Anthony Johnson Jr. the safety more snaps uh, at at that safety spot. Um, you know, those are kind of the, those couple guys that that are top of my head right there because Carrington Valentine's already getting snaps as the other corner. Even with uh, Jair coming back, you know, do you give? I don't know. After that, you know, uh, Wyatt's out there already. So I mean, but they're going to have to kind of take a look at that. Dante even Wakes is already getting some snaps. You know, I don't know if Malik Keith would, would be a guy. I mean, their receivers are already young enough and inexperienced that they got to go out there and log as many snaps as possible. Uh, to get going. It's not going to be Sean Clifford. Anybody thinking to to give an opportunity for Sean Clifford, that's not going to happen this year. They're not going to bench Jordan Love. Whether you like it or not, they're not going to. They're going to give him every single snap, every single opportunity, and they want that to to see that too. It's You're not going to have the Sean Clifford show unless there is a game that is just completely out of hand, uh, whether it's from a Green Bay side or the other team's side, and that he comes in there. But at this point, don't expect to see Sean Clifford getting any playing time. Whether you agree with it or not, it's just it's it's not going to happen at this point in time. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a guy like Anthony Johnson Jr., a rookie, and you know Sean Ryan getting some more snaps. See what you got with those guys. Are they potential future starters down the road? Could they be options there? And I, let me double check something here quick because. Not quite sure if he is going to be a free agent this year or not. Let me bring it up uh, here quickly. So, okay, yeah, John Runyon Jr. is going to be a free agent. 
He's going to be a free agent next year. So that's where, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Sean Ryan getting some snaps out there. I wouldn't mind seeing it at this point. Because let him get some game reps in there. See what you got with the kid. Is there something to build upon? Is there something there that you can go into next year and he is your new starting right guard? You know, Elton's going to be your left guard. You got him locked up. Zach Tom's going to be your right tackle. Um, you know, center-wise, you know, when you look at this offensive line here next year, let me let me see where where Josh Myers is at. I mean, Green Bay likes to really promote Josh Myers. So Josh Myers is going to be under contract for one more year. So they won't have to find a new center if they don't want to next year. But, I mean, you're looking at possibly possibly Green Bay next year having a new left tackle, whether that's on the roster now or not. Uh, Josh Nyman's probably gone next year. He's probably going to look for a new opportunity unless they give him a legit shot at the left starting left tackle spot. You're probably going to have a new right guard unless they're really high on John running and they want to bring him back. But you're probably going to have a couple, at least maybe two new offensive linemen on this team last year. And maybe one of them is, is Ryan. So give him some snaps at some point. I think you have to. I think you have to look at that. Along with Anthony Johnson Jr. too, because Darnell Savage isn't coming back next year. That That's not happening. They're not going to bring him back, unless it's very cheap. Jonathan Owens maybe as a backup. I mean, he's only under there for for one year anyways, and I don't know if if he would, you know, that one's a toughie. And Rudy Ford's a free agent too, so see what you got with Anthony Johnson Jr. Give him some snaps over there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, brought to you by High V and Toyson Ford. Don't forget, be a friend. Rate the podcast. Give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and a review so others can find the podcast and share it on your social media pages, all right? And we want to hear from you. You got any questions? You got any comments? You got any analysis? I want to hear it, all right? Send it on over. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast.